Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome to the program today. We're going to continue to talk about God's plan for marriage according to the Bible and um, questions relating to um, what that looks like and then questions revolving divorce. Yesterday on the program, we ended with talking about Ephesians 5 and how marriage ultimately is this um, profound mystery that refers to Christ in the church. So, Russ, you wanted to um, expand that a little bit from yesterday's show. You want to open up? Yeah, I just want to start by saying I, I know I've never made a strong statement in the history of the show, and so today marks my first. <laughs> so That's gonna, a pretty strong statement. Get, strong. get way out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this will be my first strong statement. I, I really do believe that there is a huge amount of misunderstanding and misapplication and misquoting of what's in Ephesians 5 within marriage relationships. Um, the general concept that, that Paul is setting forward is that the relationship of the church to Jesus Christ and Christ to the church is really what marriage is supposed to be, that marriage is to put on display um, the relationship of Jesus Christ with his church. And so in that scenario, the husband is linked with Christ and the church is linked with the the wife. And the role of the husband is to love his wife in the same way that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it um, and goes on to say that it's Christ that is going to wash the church and sanctify the church and so the role of the husband is to love the, the, his wife and to sanctify his wife, that he is to provide the same sacrificial spirit and the same sanctifying um, spirit of Christ. The wife, then, is to reflect the church. The church submits to Christ and part of it is it's an easy submission because who wouldn't want to submit to someone so loving, so sacrificial, and so, um, if you will, beneficial to the church? And so the wife is to submit to the husband in the same way. Now, the command for the husband is for the husband. The command for the wife is for the wife. I have taken the strong position in my family that I will not talk to my wife about her role until I get mine right. So when I begin to love my wife as Christ loves the church and I sanctify her in the same way that Christ sanctifies the church, once I get that perfect, then I'll talk to my wife about submission. Mm -hmm. But until I get my role right, I'll leave her role between her and God. And what I find in so many relationships is that the man is so eager to quote that verse to his wife 
when they are so far removed from their own high calling that they have from God. Their role is to reflect Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think so much wrongheadedness, abuse, um, difficulty occurs in the marriage because we're so concentrated on the other person's role. And my job in, in marriage is to say to God, God, you need to continue to renew me. You need to continue to change me. You need to continue to make me into the husband that I need to be for my home, that I might love my wife as you love me and the church. Mm-hmm. And I am convinced that a lot of damage is done by the misapplication, misquoting, and um, asserting of things that really isn't the role of the person that's doing the quoting and asserting. Right. Well, and, and especially if you look at the historical context in which Paul was writing, in, in the Greco-Roman world of the, of the later first century, the, the, the Greek uh, paterfamilias, and by the way, if you've ever seen the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art, Where Art Thou? You've heard that term. I'm the paterfamilias. Anyway, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, uh, sorry, sorry for that uh, offbeat reference. But anyway, the Greco-Roman family of the late first century, the male head of the family was an absolute dictator, absolute monarch. And sometimes and, an absolute despot. <laughs> an absolute despot. Actually, and, with regard to his children, he had more authority over his children than a slave owner had over a slave. Yeah, that's right. And, and often that authority was used in, in an abusive way, uh, in, in sometimes in a sexually abusive way. The, the, the head of the family had sexual access to everybody in the family, including slaves. And, and um, so we, it's lost on modern readers how radical it is, how absolutely earth-shaking radical it is. When Paul says, husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, uh, in other words, sacrificially, uh, with humility, uh, leaving, leaving behind some kind of exalted status where you would you know, seek to lord it over. And remember, Jesus said that you don't, among my people, it won't be that way. You've heard how it is among the Gentiles how those in authority lorded over them. And Jesus said, it shall not be so among you. And that applies to marriage, too. A lot of times there's struggles in marriage because people are always looking outside of the marriage and say, oh, I wonder if it would be better if I was married to them or married to them or married to them. And I think Ephesians 5 makes the argument that the better spouse that, that you are looking for is the one you're already married to that the role of the husband is to continue to help, and I think it goes the other way as well, that both husbands and wives help with the sanctification of one another. And so the better spouse is the one that you're already married to, that they are becoming because of the grace of God um, within their heart and life. Well, the, the reason why you know, Paul has to give these um, you know, commands to the church, husbands love your wives and wives submit to your husbands, is because of the fall. I mean, pre-fall, when God created Adam and Eve to be one flesh, to love one another, there was a command. There was the command to, you know, you can eat of any tree of the garden, you should cultivate the land, uh, don't eat that tree. Um, but there wasn't this command to love and submit to one another. And the reason why is because sin hadn't entered the world yet. And when mm-hmm. sin had entered the world, God, 
you know, Genesis three gives us the answer for like all of life's difficulties. Why is work hard? Because God cursed the ground. Why is marriage hard? Well, because God told the woman that her desire will be for her husband, meaning that her desire will be to usurp his authority. And to the man, he said that you will, well, he said to the woman also, but he will rule harshly over you. So that curse is embedded in every marriage, whether you're a Christian or whether you're a non-Christian. And so these commands that Paul gives in Ephesians 5 are actually commands that, that work against that curse. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, why? Because your natural fallen tendency will be to be harsh with them and to, to you know, rule over them in a domineering way. Wives, submit to your husbands. Why? Because your natural fallen tendency will be to try to usurp his authority. Along those lines, there's a, there's a couple books that I would recommend. Um, one of them is titled uh, When Sinners Say I Do by Dave Harvey. And uh, that goes right to the point that you're making. You know, sin has affected our marriage. So basically, everybody marries a sinner. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and both are sinners, in fact. And so this is the only people that God has to work with, and so He's, you know, He has given us uh, His Word. In fact, I will tell people every word in, in the Bible, every verse is a marriage verse. I mean, the, the, everything that we're to learn about um, our relationship to God and others is laid down in Scripture. The other book that I think has got an interesting title is the one by Paul Tripp. It's <laughs> "What Did You Expect?" Uh, and uh, you know, the, both of them. Uh, give us some really good thoughts as we deal with, you know, the, um, the sin that remains in us in relationship to the marriage that God has provided for us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there are other books as well that we, you could look at. Um, you know, I think a popular book right now is the one by Tim Keller, The Meaning of Marriage, and that's a really good book. And he wrote that, you know, he's in uh, um, Manhattan, New York, uh, Probably, I think he had over uh, 3,000 singles in his church, you know, and here he's writing a book on marriage and preaching on it because it's an important subject for them, too, to understand what God has. And Piper has a book called This Momentary Marriage, which I think that the strength of that particular book is exactly what Ephesians 5 says. I mean, the proverbial question, which came first, the chicken or the egg, can be, you know, kind of applied to marriage and then the church. So. A lot of people, I think, approach this idea of marriage and Paul's words in Ephesians 5 and say, oh, you know, God is trying to help us to understand what marriage is, or he's trying to help us to understand what our relationship between Christ and the church is. And so he says, oh, hey, look at marriage, because marriage is kind of a picture of that. And it's exactly backwards. In fact, if you look at it from the perspective of Scripture, which is the right perspective, in Genesis 2, when God ordained marriage, it's actually a prophecy of Christ and the church. Before the fall even took place, it's a prophecy of our relationship with Jesus Christ. People often get Revelation um, 21 wrong, um, and they talk about the, the new heaven and the new earth, and they're talking about all these precious jewels and the streets of gold and, and all of these things as if Paul is, or John is actually describing um, what heaven is going to look like. They actually miss the key to the, to the chapter in verse 2, um, where it says that coming down out of heaven prepared as a bride. And then later on in, in verse 9, he says, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And so what Revelation 21 is, is telling us is how precious the church is to Jesus Christ. And the only imagery that works is precious stones and precious metals 
And that's how beautiful the bride of Christ is to God. And that's what he's making his bride into. Something without spot, without wrinkle, without any sin clinging to her any longer. Mm. And so the sense of marriage is that as we husbands are married to our wives, that we see our wives as that precious, as precious stones, as precious metals. And our desire is to love them and to help sanctify and purify them by being the spiritual leaders we ought to be in the home, by washing them with the word, that we are those that should be about leading devotions and leading uh, moments within the home where the God's word is read and, and God's word is prayed. Um, it's really a Revelation 21 moment where we're mm-hmm. saying, I want to, to, to love my wife in the same way and help purify her in the same way that Christ purifies us. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, brothers, we have about a minute left, and I don't want to get into another question here because uh, it'll open up a whole other can of worms. Maybe here's the teaser, though, for tomorrow. Um, Must marriage be between one man and one woman? Quickly around the table, answer yes or no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. We go to Genesis for the marriage's institution. We go to Ephesians for its full meaning. Yeah. um, God created marriage. God defines marriage. Uh, marriage is between one man and, and one woman, as uh, uh, Russ pointed out in one of our earlier shows. Marriage is not a product of human evolution. Uh, it is God's creation, and there, therefore it is defined by God. All right, well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. We, we're, we're thankful that you have uh, tuned in today. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, just uh, search for The Gospel for Life. Um, please share it on your um, social media. We, we'd love to get more listeners, not for the sake of you know, pumping up our own egos, but for the sake of spreading the gospel and, and making the gospel seem relevant to life as the Bible actually portrays it. So thank you for listening today, and please tune in for the rest of the week as we continue this topic on marriage and divorce. Thank <laughs> you.